It's Friday night, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of The Devil's Do. Welcome once again, one and all. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is the man who swings a pretty mean mjolnir, Mr. Drew Celestino. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. How are you doing, sir? I am here. <laughs> same That's good to hear. Same as always. That bad, huh? Uh, you know it. <laughs> it was it was a Star Wars reference. Oh, I oh I know. I, I I'm well aware. <laughs> Return of the Jedi, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back are on. Uh, okay. The, the watch list over here. <laughs> Is Toy Story one, two, and three, uh, the original trilogy, trilogy Star Wars, Puppy Dog Pals, and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and it's all just kind of in one big rotation at any given moment. At least you have variety. Oh yeah, yeah, no good variety. And our, depending on how, our, our how he's watch, feeling, he'll he'll tell us what he wants. Our watch list here is Raya and the Last Dragon, or. YouTube. Does does he know that that's on a limited run? Um, I'm hoping he <laughs> kind of like it'll be really bad when the when the, when the thirty day actually window I think is closed. If you, I think if you buy it, you have it throughout. Oh, all right, okay. I think. All right. So, well, that's cool. If you know what, and even if it's not the case, we have certainly gotten our thirty dollars worth <laughs> out of that purchase. Yeah, is, is, he, he watches it. Not exaggerating, he watches it at least once a day. Wow, wow. So, yeah, we've we've gotten our worth out of it, which is a nice little segue into how the weeks were. Drew, how was your week, sir? Ah, uh, let's let's kick things off, shall we? There we go. Ah, uh, there we go. Nice. What do what do we? What is the ale of choice this week? A uh, little OG Ithaca Flower Power. Right. No, no variety, just the original, and it's still pretty. It holds up pretty good. But I got to tell you, the those varieties with the Galaxy and the the Simcoe, hmm, fantastic Simcoe, what is it? One's Galaxy, I think it's Simcoe, I forgot, but either way, those variety ones are excellent. And the, the base one is, let me, let me, hang on. Good, it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but those, uh, those, those new ones that they put out in that, that eight pack are really good. Like, they really, really beefed it up, so. But, I have these in my fridge still, so they have to go. <laughs> I have to do something about that. Anyway, my weeks. My weeks have been fairly uneventful. Um, although, next time, I'm doing the math in my head, Carl. The next time we record an episode, nope, not going to be quite there yet. We'll still be a day removed because uh, tomorrow I will be getting my first uh, vaccine. Uh, dosage. So that means... In- Funny you should mention that. V- twinsies? Tomorrow morning, we're vaccine twinsies. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my first shot tomorrow, too. Where are you going? Um, The Niagara Falls ah, okay. location. 
I'm going to ECMC. Um, yeah, originally I had an appointment for uh, UB South Campus, but that was not until May. Yeah, and yeah. Then Niagara County opened up uh, mass vaccination sites, so I was able to get into one of those earlier. I had an appointment in Rochester in May, and then I was uh, able to get the ECMC appointment. So, yay! Yeah, so that I was means... kind of like holding my fingers crossed going, come on, Johnson & Johnson. Come on, Johnson <laughs> Johnson. Yeah, seriously. Oh, Pfizer. Eh, I don't mind. I, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, point, you know. Give me two, fine. It's, it's fine. I'm, I'm up for whatever. So that means tomorrow we'll get our first. Two weeks from now, after that, we'll get the second. And that means two weeks after that, in about mo- in a month's time, Carl, maybe around May-ish, we will be able to do this together again oh that'd be so nice that'd be so good so i'm that means i have a month roughly to get get this uh get this studio in order for you <laughs> i mean as long as, as long as i got a chair to sit in and a microphone to speak from, oh yeah you have that and you finally put up that cobra wall detail i gave you like two years ago you know as long as all those things are in order we're good i i have it I just haven't put anything up yet, like at all. I'm still working on all of it. Although uh, my well, that's my that's TV. The thing, though, like when you've got when you've got a lot of stuff to hang, it takes you got to plan it out. I know. I'm and the plan is coming. You got to be like this wall's going to be this. This wall's going to be this. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So, so. Uh, today, after a month and a half of FedEx poo poo, don't get me started. FedEx is is. Among the couriers, I am convinced that FedEx is the worst at this point. Um, I- I'm shocked I'm saying that, but yeah, FedEx is, is not good right now anyway. Uh, I finally have my uh, TV stand for down here. So that means I can put my CRTs up on this bad boy after I construct it. So that means my, nice. retro, my retro game wall is planned out. The plan, loosely, is to have uh, the CRTs on the stand. The stand is uh, pretty low, rising. So CRTs and the retro consoles hooked up to those um, on the stand. And then I think eventually I'm going to mount a LCD or LED above those on the wall for other consoles and for TV or whatever down here. And then I'm going to throw a futon down here. It would from where you would be sitting normally. It'd be just behind you in front of the closet in front of the closet door. And then it's just a matter of, okay, that wall is the screen wall, which leaves the other walls for artwork and whatnot. Because um, considering, I am considering putting uh, some sonic baffling tiles behind me, directly behind me, um, where I sit, for yeah. mixing and whatnot. So that leaves the other walls, I suppose, for uh, artwork and whatnot, so... When you said Sonic baffling, I just pictured a very confused Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> it's, it's not selling. It's, not, it's, Gu- it's, it's Guile looking at his hands in confusion. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Guile. He throws the Sonic boom and it just Nothing goes happened. in completely. It goes completely right. Yeah, right. So uh, that's that's happening down here. Um, that really aside, there hasn't been a ton going on. Um, I've spent most of my time, uh, reading Carl. Yeah. Uh, yes. So yeah. as you know, uh, I crushed all five seasons of the expanse and, uh, I needed some more of that sweet, sweet nectar. 
So uh, <laughs> I went ahead and I bought all eight paperback editions of the uh, of the book series right now. Um, and I got through the first book, Leviathan Wakes, um, pretty quickly, week or two, and now I'm into the second book, Caliban's War, and I'm about uh, 100 pages into that already, and I just started that a few days ago. So, uh, going good. Very, very interesting to see the differences between the book and the show. And the thing is, they're not that different, which I think is great. I think it's fantastic that uh, they adapted, at least so far. I mean, you know, things could veer off course at any any point, but I've been told by people, uh, my best friend included, who has read them all and has watched the show, that the show is very, 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 very faithful to the books. Um, the books at least in Leviathan Wakes, the first book, it expands and explains a lot more of the uh, background and the culture of the Belter civilization, which really would have been helpful in the first season of the show, but for time and everything, I understand why they couldn't squeeze it all in. So the book does a really good job planting those motivations and that stuff um, better than the the first season of the show. I mean, the show does relay it better later but it takes time to really understand it whereas in the book it kind of get you get you get it up front but i think uh what's interesting is in the the thing that the show does better than the books so far is the show um posits the whole civil all of all of humanity's conflicts better um like that being earth earth mars and the belt Whereas in the books, like Earth and Mars are talked about in Leviathan Wakes, but you never really get a feel for exactly where their loyalties lie and how they're allies, but they're kind of in a cold war. It's, I mean, it's talked about, but you don't really get a feel. Whereas in the show, they, they pretty much ratchet the tension up and, and you understand the dynamic between Earth and Mars anyway very quickly. Um, and one of my favorite characters in the show who they introduce in season two and in this she's the first chapter of Caliban's War, the second book uh, that being Bobby Draper um, in the show, she gets a great buildup with her, her, her like squad of Marines and how, you know, their, their camaraderie and through their little sections in the show in the first few episodes, you get more of that like Mars versus earth mentality until something catastrophic happens um, and then she has to then go to Earth, and her loyalties are kind of tested. Now, in the book, um, you don't get that camaraderie. You don't get the squad with her Marines or anything. The big, uh, the big bad event that rocks her world happens in the very first chapter, and she's off to Earth in the first hundred pages. So you don't get that buildup. So I think the show actually does a better job of uh, the personal some of the personal stuff actually, which, which is interesting because you think sometimes the books, the the hard and fast rule is the books are always better. Right. And in this case, I don't know that I would say that. Um, the book is better at some things and the show is better at others, but overall they are fantastic, uh, together. Like the, the show is a fantastic adaptation of the books and it doesn't like poo poo it so far. So I'm enjoying it. That's, that's basically all I've been up to is, uh, reading these books. Well, Drew, I can tell you from personal experience that putting everything in that you can is not always the best course of action. Well, no, I, 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 and I know where you're going with that. I just want to 
I just want to say, <laughs> um, the show made the show in some cases includes more than the books, and the book in some cases includes more than the show, and it and it's really not a case of one being better. I honestly, I would say I don't I don't find it a case of one being better than the other. Um, they're just both. They're kind, it's kind of like a co-canon in my head. And uh, the fact that the writers of the books are involved in the show makes it all kind of, you know, I'm not conflicted about any of the choices made yet because it, it it's all coming from an authorial source and none of it really contradicts each other and it all jibes for me. Um, so I'm, I'm digging it. And unlike other things, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, uh, in this case, more is not more. <laughs> right. No, I, I get you. I get you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, 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 very happy. I've decided to embark upon this, this journey. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. So yeah, that's per- all I've been up to. Perhaps one day I will partake as well. I can't recommend it enough. It's been, it's been great. Thoroughly enjoyable. Nice. Um, my weeks. So let's see. Lot of Lego Batmobile. I, I've seen. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable building that thing. Um, it is considerably bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, and uh, but it's really enjoyable. I think I got about six bags left to go. I just did out, the, of, uh, out of how many? Uh, twenty-four. Man, yeah, good hustle. Uh, the last bag I finished off just did the uh, the canopy, and I sent you the video of that. It's fully functioning, which is cool because there's a lot of detail on the inside. So, when you showed me the steering wheel moving the wheels, that was like, oh my god, this thing is this thing is serious business. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a gear that, that raises the guns, and oh, Batman and his guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about that. Uh, yeah. Renowned yeah. marksman, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, just kind of more. Uh, I'm trying to think what else around this week I know I'm forgetting some stuff uh, oh jeez yeah I might. that's probably a bad thing to forget um, it was William's birthday it was St. Patrick's Day yes so he had a great birthday even though unfortunately uh, COVID cost him a second birthday in a row um, we took him on a, a little uh, toy shopping spree and he uh, we first stopped at that 80s toy shop uh, which is just a, a wonderful little place uh, good for both uh, collectors and uh, just people who want to buy toys and play with them they've got it all there it's a great time Delaware uh, I highly recommend checking out that 80s toy shop um, so we got some stuff there, and then we took him over to Target. 
And one of the things he got was the first, uh, the, the Super Mario Lego set. I, I saw that. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's much more uh, toy than like a straight up Lego set. Okay, that's that's um, cool. Yeah, it's it's very Mario is like very. There's basically a barcode scanner in his butt, <laughs> and like when he jumps on barcodes, the screen on his chest makes different noises and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So he got like the first set. And then we got him another set, like a piranha plant set. And like every, like whenever you walk over a different color, the footsteps that it makes differs. So like if you're if you're walking over green, that's just like a standard walking sound effect. If you're walking over blue, you've got like a water swishing sound effect. If you're walking over red, then you've got the fire sound effect. And if you walk over purple, then you've got like the poison liquid sound effect. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really cool little set. That's great. And I have it on good authority that uh, his grandmother is getting him the the Bowser's Castle set uh, for Easter. Oh. So yeah, been having lots of fun with that. Um, other than that, I think... I mean, obviously, I did some other things. We're going to talk about it a little later. Um, but other than that, that was pretty much my week's Dear listeners. We always love to hear from you. We always love to uh, communicate with you. If you ever want to tell us about your week, send us any questions or comments to the show. You can do so at the following social media locations. You can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can check our you can like our facebook page at facebook.com slash devils do pod you can email us at the devils do pod at gmail.com or you can find all these resources available to you on our website the devils do podcast.com drew that being said we do have some emails that i'm going to get to in just a quick moment because oh. i forgot to check the twitter um, but generally, I'm not going on Twitter a lot, folks. I'll be the first one to admit um, there's only so much toxicity I can take in at one time. <clears throat> um, all right, so Twitter is good. All right, so moving on to the emails. Starting off with Mr. Cyrus Moore. Greetings, gentlemen. Hope you are well. Can't wait to hear you discuss Justice League today. Like 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 Grant Morrison's JLA or Yeah, oh, I'm oh, sure. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh I'll talk Grant Morrison's for, JLA anytime you want. <laughs> referring to your response to my last message, I'm glad that between the three of us when it comes to Tom Brady, we can at least share some combination of admiration and animosity. Adramosity. Um he's great and it's infuriating. Um, I have recently begun watching the expanse. Yes. Yes. Halfway through season two. Yeah. It started a little slow for me, but has been picking I, up for sure. I warned you. Two things, two things that kept me, uh, invested early was their acknowledgement of some of the physics of space travel Yep, was refreshing. The other was the moment where I'm like, Oh, Hey, it's the Punisher is in this. Awesome. Tom Jane is great. Um, 
I really like Thomas Jane and everything he's in, but I always think of him as the Punisher when I see him. Do you have any actors who you always refer to them as one particular role? Any actors that I just immediately go, that's this this role? Yeah. Um, I mean, the easy answer is Keaton. <laughs> See, I don't immediately go to Batman. Oh, no, I mean, it's Batman don't, or Beetlejuice. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I, I love both of those things, but and we kind of had this discussion recently, like top five Keaton movies, and, and I was just like revisiting his his you know filmography. There's just so much, so much good in there. But other other than that, let me try. Let me let me. I mean, at this point, Chris Evans is only Captain America to me. I don't care what else he's in. It's like Captain America right there. He'll always be the human torch to me. <laughs> um, um, but like, I think like him out of anyone else in the, in the MCU, like anytime I see him, it's like, yep, that's cat right there. More. Yep. I mean, so I, that that's top of my head. I don't know. My, mine is probably, uh, Christopher Reeve. Oh, of course. Of course. Superman. Of course, but it's not like you see him in a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, right. But also, very strange filmography. Like, don't don't sleep on Christopher even things that are not Superman. He's so uh, high caliber. It, no, you're not wrong. But as a kid, you know, it really messed me up. What? When he was in that episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Why is Superman chopping people up with with a a cleaver? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) What the hell is going on? That's funny. That actually messed me up, man. There's a film film where the two meet. Superman Uh, and and the Crypt Keeper? Superman and and Michael Keaton. Oh, whoa. Is there really? uh, Yeah, I believe it's called Speechless. Wow. Man, that's like a that's a what could have been. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I watched Batman '89 one time while I was working on the Batmobile. Yeah, so great. Of course it is. So it's not perfect Batman, I mean, but it's a bit. It's a amazing movie. It it misses the mark badly in some areas, and but the areas where it it hits the mark, it dead center bullseye. Yeah. Um, well, maybe with the uh, <clears throat> the comics that we're getting with Superman 78 and Batman 89, maybe we can get a Justice League 96 or something. <laughs> you know? yep. Hopefully, like, you know, get John Wesley Ship's Flash. Yes. Oh, yeah. dude. Wonder Carter's Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, just give me those four. That's all I need. Seriously. Don't put anyone else in there. Um, all right, so Cyrus, thank you very much for your question. Now on to our own personal Falcon and Winter Soldiers. Ooh. Um, I'll let them argue over which one's which. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Alan Waiters and Mr. J. Gelsomino. <laughs> starting, starting with Alan. Uh, June Carl. What is more disgusting, 
Shrimp Tails and Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Peep Flavored Pepsi, a.k.a. Peepsy? Well, only one of those things is real, Alan, so I'm going to say the uh, the Peep Flavored Peepsy. The, the Shrimp and the Cinnamon Toast Crunch isn't real? No, no. Um, th- th- that guy is a... Uh, if you look into that story, the guy behind that is a real scumbag, and uh, it's not real. Yeah, it's not great. about reading the internet. No, no, it's fine. I got sucked into it too, but then once I I, I delved down the rabbit hole, it got it got revelations were bad, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, new stuff has come to light. Oh, man. sure did. So right. yeah, that guy that guy's a creep. But uh, but some, oh. but somehow he's married to Topanga. What? But, yeah, the the he- the shrimp. Toast Crunch guy is married to Honest to God Topanga from Boy Meets World. Danielle Fischel? That the, the one and only. No. Y- yeah. That's, that's a crime. And and he's he's a creep. Alrighty then. Yeah. Uh Carl, were you disappointed in any Green Lancer not having a bigger role in the Snyder Cut? Do you think Snyder fans are being cult? Like with the hashtag release the Snyderverse. Um, I guess honestly, we're gonna get I mean, into all that, I suppose. Yeah, we are gonna get into all that uh, eventually because spoilers. I'm gonna review the Snyder cut. Um, but just to give you a real quick answer, on I don't think there was there was so much room yet no more room. <laughs> so much yet not enough. Film. There's so much yet not enough room more in that film um so yeah uh are the fans being called this? i mean they're they're being snyderverse fans um i'm sure there are people out there who honestly just like the film and are ca- capable of normal rational polite behavior like i got a friend of mine who, who loves the snyder stuff but he is not what he does not behave in a manner that we associate with a lot of the uh Snyder like the diehard Snyder fans. Um so I mean any any fan base is gonna have uh those loud outspoken members that give the fan base a bad name. Um I say this as someone who loves Star Wars. Um so yeah. Uh Drew. Mm-hmm. I'm halfway through season three of The Expanse. Mm. I feel like Amos is my spirit animal. <laughs> Who is your spirit animal from the show? Also, Invincible is debuting on Amazon Prime tonight. Will you recommend it to your listeners? Glad to know you two are getting your vaccine this weekend. We have games to play and review. Good God, I can't wait. We to sure do. Uh, oh, man. I'm just going to sh- like, seriously, dude. I'm literally just going to show up to your house one morning with a couple armfuls of games. (laughs) And I'm not leaving until the sun comes up the next morning. We can do that. I mean, it's not just bear in mind. It's going to have to be like, you know, in between Grant going berserk and yada, yada. That's fine. Okay. We can just game on all day. That's cool. I don't care. All right. Cool. Cool. All right, where is where do we begin? Who is my spirit? You're not, you're not the only person I'm going to be doing that with, I Adam. I know you hear me. I know you're out there. I know you hear me. Just showing up one day, 
You're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> like you got you got a duty infestation in your house. Well, if, Ad, if, if, if Adam gets his, you can bring him along, and we can we can just play games, and me and him can tell you to watch the Expanse. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Adam already has. <laughs> But we could do it at the same time. Uh, all right, so my spirit animal in the expanse. I mean, Amos is is great, um, and it's 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 been super fun to read too because like the guy who plays him, my god, does he nail it? Because <laughs> the the way he reads in the book is like, yep, they got him right. <laughs> I he he reads exactly like he is on the show. It's awesome. Um, my spirit animal though. Um. Parts of me are in pretty much every character, which is a kind of a cop-out answer, but like, you know, I, except Amos. As much as I love Amos, I'm not a sociopath, <laughs> so, you know, at least I don't think I am. I'm, someone else might beg to differ, but uh, Holden the loves... Villains never think they're villains, Drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holden uh, Holden loves coffee, um, so I, I, I identify. Um... Naomi is good at fixing things and putting things together. I identify. Uh, Christian uh, is a intelligence mm, mastermind, and she likes to be in power. And uh, I identify. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Draper. I don't. I don't necessarily identify with Bobby. I just like Bobby a lot. So she's not my spirit animal, but I just. I think she's a great character. And uh, Miller is, you know, drunken, divorced cop. Don't know that he's my spirit animal. So I guess I'm somewhere in the combination of of Holden, Naomi, and uh, and Christian. Uh, like you had me at the character names up to Bobby Draper. Yeah, I'm like, are they stealing a character from Mad Men or something? Uh, just, that's, just the name sounds like her, very her, her full like name is early Roberta. Marvel comic bookish. I mean, she's she's Roberta Draper, but she prefers Bobby. So okay, gotcha. yeah. and don't mess with her because right. she's a super jacked Samoan Martian, and she okay. she will wreck you. <laughs> Right, that uh, that will work. Um, Invincible premiering, yeah. So um, it's on right now on Prime. I have not watched it yet, and I gotta be honest, I'm curious about it. I will watch it, but I I don't know for whatever reason I'm not super stoked about it. Um, If I'm gonna, I I will absolutely recommend Invincible to anyone listening to this, but I will recommend that you read the comics. Um, I, and I, and that's sight unseen of the show. I just think the comic is, is magical. And there's a reason why Robert Kirkman was like the guy in comics in the 20, in, in the aughts into the 2010s. Walking Dead was half of it. The other half was invincible. And one of them got picked up on AMC and became whatever it became. But when he was making his bones and when Robert Kirkman was like riding high and I mean high in the biz to the point where he became like, isn't he still the big, big honcho of image comics right now? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Well, he got there. He's either either editor in chief or chief creative officer. One of those two. Okay. Well, he got there because those were his two, his, his two babies. And, they were the one and the one a like both fantastic and 
yeah, Invincible is, and I've said it before, it's the best superhero comic of the 21st century. It's 21st century. Um, it it didn't, you know, it some some people argue it 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 goes too long and it, it you know peters out. I I would disagree. Maybe some arcs aren't as satisfying as others, but that book maintained a very high level of quality and had a fantastic ending as well. And I recommend Invincible to anybody. In, com- right. in comic book form. Cool. Yes. Um, now on to Mr. J. Gelsomino, Drew and Carl. Do you think with how decent Suicide Squad 2 looks on first glance, and if it's successful, does DC go full tilt in R for rated R for everything? Um, we're going to talk about Suicide Squad 2 trailer in the news. As far as whether or not I think uh, DC is going to go R-rated for everything. Um, I would I would say more is Warner Brothers going to make DC go R-rated for everything. Um, I would not... Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to. But it's... It's a that's like kind of a coin toss. It could be either way. Um, but you know, listening to earlier last week, listening to Fat Man Beyond, as Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin discussed uh, the Snyder Cut, Mark Bernardin said something that just really stuck out to me, is, and that is, if you're making a film with Superman in it that you cannot take a ten year old to see, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and I I agree with that one hundred percent wholeheartedly. I I think that's a great summation of of everything right there. Um, I wish I had more. To, I I do have more to say about it. I suppose I I it, I it would not shock me in the slightest if they decide that you know what, Joker made a bunch of money, Suicide Squad two is be rated R and be super gory. Snyder Cut's rated R. This is just the way we're going to do things now. And it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. But I think that is majorly uh, flawed and short-term thinking. Um, I mean, hey, get the money now, but you're, you are alienating an audience, in my opinion, that is of an age where they are impressionable and uh, will be fans for life if you hook them young. If you're just going to chase adults, uh, your 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 resource pool will be finite. Your your success will be finite. So that's that's yeah. how I feel about it. But all right, uh, Drew. Yeah. Is Britt Baker the new hardcore icon? <laughs> it sure seems that way. I tell you, Drew, that match. It's great. It's a great Lord. match. Top Good one, Lord. Top five matches easily of, of 2021 so far. I, I believe I believe she said she had to have 87 thumbtacks pulled out of her back. Uh, kayfabe, I don't know for sure if that's the real number, but she, I mean, she, she took that no, back. That was that was on um I, I think it's was it Renee Paquette's podcast. Okay, all right, cool. So she wasn't in character. She was literally like just talking about like the after Oof. you know the afterwards eighty seven thumbtacks. Given her propensity, 
it seems like every time she uh, gets busted open, like she levels up. <laughs> like <Yeah>. seriously, <laughs> some months ago when she got her bu- when she got busted open and started bleeding like that, suddenly like people got into her again, or for, you know, yeah. and and then she she leveled up her character work big time, and now she had this match, and it was just like man. Rip Baker's a savage man. <laughs> she's crazy. Yeah, not crazy, uh, but I mean, she's she's awesome. Yeah. That match was great. Thunder Rosa put in the work too. I, I mean, I, I feel like Thunder Rosa is almost getting forgotten, and she won the match. Um, yeah. But I think, but the reason why I think people are not forgetting, but don't talk about Thunder Rosa after the fact, is because like I think everyone knew Thun- Thunder Rosa is really good, whereas Britt Baker was like okay, and they pushed her as being a big deal, and she wasn't that good. But in the last twelve months, like she has gotten really, really good. Ever since they turned her heel, she's turned her game on big time. So I feel like yeah. that's why she's getting all the attention now. Because after that match, it's like, man, Britt Baker has come so far. Yeah, it was it was really, really a sight to behold. Yeah, um, Carl. Can you do a full review of that review video of Jaws the Revenge? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I need some background here. What? So there's there's a YouTube channel that does extended movie reviews, original, I know. Uh, but this guy actually does pretty good jobs. Um, he does just like, um, you know, he splits it up between kind of reviewing the movie and giving like the history of what was happening with the movie and how it got made and whatnot. Obviously, he doesn't do, like, all first-run stuff. He does predominantly, you know, um, older stuff from what I see. Jay came across uh, the video he did for Jaws 3D. And actually, I learned a lot from it. And he just, like, this past week, put out one for Jaws the Revenge, a.k.a. Jaws 4, a.k.a. Jaws 87. Um, (laughs) A.k.a. the Shark Roars. That was that was the title at one point. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really good video. It was very enjoyable. Um, I can't. What's the name of the channel? Uh, let me let me find it because the guy definitely deserves a shout out. Um, I need you to vamp for a little bit here, Drew. If you don't mind? While I'm looking at this video. Mm-hmm. A lot more talking than you're doing right now would be nice. Uh, anything in particular you want me to elaborate upon? I, I don't. Yeah, whatever. Talk, talk more about uh, how awesome AEW is. I mean, uh, AEW is great. There's a certainly things we could do better, but uh, it, 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 in terms of if I have my, my druthers of a wrestling product, AEW is the American promotion I would recommend to everyone. Um. There's certainly right, uh, I got okay, it. great. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the video is called "The Story of Jaws: The Revenge, 1987 Review Retrospective." Uh, the channel is uh, Layton L A Y T O N Eversol E V E R S A U L. The videos are about an hour long each, and definitely worth checking out. Well, all right. Uh, all right, so Jay, thank you very much for the question. Now let's move on to the news of the week. Uh, we got some stuff to go on, out, a ton of stuff. Uh, one of the, the biggest news in the week, um, a serious blow was dealt 
to Diamond Distributors this week when Marvel Publishing announced that they would no longer be using them as their primary distributor of their product. Yeah. Now, they are still using them as a distributor, just not the primary distributor. Distributor. The primary distributor now, I believe, is Pendant House Publishing. Uh, Random House. Random House. And um, Diamond can distribute Marvel, but they have to buy their books at wholesale from Random House. <laughs> right. So this is pretty huge. And folks, for those of you who don't know... Yeah, I was going to say, some uh, background information might be helpful. Yeah. So for the past... 30 years? 97 is when Marvel went exclusive to Diamond, and that was after Marvel tried to do it themselves, uh, distributing their own books, um, and it, it failed spectacularly, and then Marvel faced bankruptcy and went crawling back to Diamond to distribute their comic books. All right, but I'm talking about like Diamond as a whole. They are a distributor, and they go back, yeah, so- they go back to the... How far back does Diamond go? God. It's got to be at least 20 years. Oh, more than that, because, I mean, I'm talking 97, so uh, 25, 25, 30 years, easily. Yeah. So they have been the primary distributor of comic books and uh, collectible stuff for pretty much any comic book company that has printed comic books in that time frame. Now, I'm sure at some point they were very good at what they did uh, but having worked at a comic book store and having spoken with numerous people who run comic book stores um, I have never in recent memory heard a single good thing about Diamond um, between shorting orders not getting back to people uh, they they were the only game in town and they knew it yep yeah. And I believe it was earlier, it was early 2020 when DC decided to break with Diamond. June, yeah. Ironically, then, they too were went with Penguin Random House. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, actually, they went with two. They, they, uh, for, for, for their graphic novels, they went with Random House, and then for their comic books, um, weekly, they went with UCS Comic Distributors and Lunar Distribution. Okay. Um, Just to clarify. And Marvel has now said, we're all in with Random House. Yeah, uh, it seems like Marvel is kind of sitting back and being like, all right, let's let's see how this goes. Let's see how this works out. Um, And apparently they like what they saw and uh, cut majority ties with Diamond earlier this week. And this is is pretty big. These These are two serious blows dealt to diamond over a year. I mean, I'm not going to cry any tears for, for diamond. I'm not, I'm not either. It, it, yeah. It's certainly a major development in the, in the industry. Um, my ultimate concern is always going to be, okay, our shop's going to be okay with this change. Are they still going to get their books on time? And are they going to, you know, and are they going to be able to, are they getting, are they affordable to the stores? Are they affordable to the customers? And are they going to come out on time? At the end of the day, as a reader, that's all I care about. Um, yeah. Diamond being a kingpin, you know, by default for so long, pfft, good riddance, man. Get out of here, you know? Yeah. 
I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen some conspiratorial, not conspiratorial, uh, just, just people, you know, armchair quarterbacking, thinking that this is a signal, and I think this is not necessarily the case, that Marvel uh, is prepping or, or at least getting their ducks in a row to go strictly to trade paperback only distribution, uh, ending the weekly comics and um, catering exclusively to bookstores and things like that. I I don't know that I believe that, but yeah, that but, seems that seems very extreme. Yeah, I I would agree, but I don't. This is a this is a topic for another show. Actually, I'm going to posit this to you, Carl, right now, Carl. This is a bigger yeah. show topic. Uh, is there merit to that? Let's table um, let's table it for now. Not, not I don't mean is there, I don't mean yeah. is there merit to the possibility of that happening. Let's hypothetically spitball in a discussion down the road. Uh, what do we want from comics, and what do we need from them, and is that possibly one avenue to go down? Yeah, okay, we could definitely uh, do that on another show. Um, that's, that, so, yeah. that, that's a big discussion. That is a big discussion. Um, the The industry has, over the past ten years, have seen has seen massive change uh, throughout in ways that are very surprising and in some ways are not surprising at all. So it's definitely um, a topic worthy of getting its own show. All right. Um, So moving on to the next piece of news, we had a bit of casting news uh, this week. Uh, Pierce Brosnan Mm. of 007, Thomas Crown Affair, um, numerous other things, has been cast as Dr. Fate. In the Black Adam movie. Um, I'm, I'm very okay with this. Um, I don't know a ton about the character of Dr. Fate. I've always enjoyed the visual of him and the idea of him. Um, the one Dr. Fate series I did try to read was a very different approach to the character, by no means the traditional approach, so I didn't get a lot from that. Um, but it seems like this is very good casting um as i said to you and i said to uh both you and alan in our chat uh 10 10 years ago between 10 and 15 years ago if you were to give me a choice between benedict cumberbatch and pierce brosnan for dr strange i'm taking pierce brosnan all day long um yeah so we're getting dr fate in the black adam movie we are Dante's Bro. Peak's own Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Dante's Peak. <laughs> oh man. Uh, hey, cool. It's a, it's you know it's a cool character. I wonder how much acting he'll actually be doing, given that uh, Doctor Fate's thing is he never takes his helmet off. But I yeah. guess in some stories he does. So I'm gonna go ahead and assume he's just doing dominantly voiceover work. But he, you know they can get him out for an afternoon to shoot some stuff, I suppose. Well, let, let us not forget the the problem um, across all superhero films, Marvel, DC, and whatnot included, the problem of actors needing to get their face time in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Masks, so, masks just can't seem to stay on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'd be interested to see where they go 
with the Black Adam film. I guess like you know, kind of be in the the Scorpion King vein where they take the villain and make him the protagonist in a way. We'll um, we'll see. I mean, Shazam is uh, Shazam's the hero, you know. So like they they can't yeah. they can't scumbag him too hard. Um, yeah. that you know that movie that movie did pretty well. So the I, Shazam you know, movie was great. It was a lot of fun. It was exactly what it needed to be. So I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd hate to see that just like pushed aside because you know the Rock has to be the Rock. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Still at peak Rock. Haven't. I'm well over peak Rock. I'm I'm I've, I'm Dante's peak Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, yeah, can't miss you if you don't go away, Rock. I know, and, and like, it's like I love the Rock. Who doesn't love the Rock? But you know, I also love. Mm, it's like pancakes, Carl. You're all excited about the beginning, but by the end, you're sick of them. <laughs> it's a Mitch Hedberg joke, and it still it still applies to the Rock. <laughs> And you just finished him more out of spite. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't want to have to hate, hate, hate eat you, pancakes, rock. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, all right. So last bit of news we got is today dropped the Red Band trailer for James Gunn's Suicide Squad 2. Uh, the Suicide Squad, Carl. Let's be. The, let's be. Or, that's right. The Suicide Squad. And Drew, not going to lie, looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a James Gunn film. It looks like a James Gunn film. It's not a bad thing at all. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna divvy this up into stuff I like, stuff I don't. Stuff I like. Idris Elba in anything. Cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Shark Man, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> All right, um, cool. I'm in. So great. Freaking Starro. <laughs> yeah. Starro, Carl. Starro. Yep. In a movie. Yep. In my lifetime. Okay. However, <sighs> you know, we just talked about Peak Rock, right? I'm, I've long. Can I take a guess. Can I take a guess. Uh, two, it's two things. One you'll, one you're gonna guess. The other, uh, the other you might not guess. Go, go ahead, guess. I'm, I'm go ahead, guess. guess. I'm gonna guess. And these are you are beyond your peak with them. Um, the first off being Harley Quinn. Bing. The second one being <coughs> John. Hey, Cena. you nailed two for two. Congratulations. Look at that. What yeah. do I get? You know me very well. Yeah, I'm sick of Harley Quinn. I'm sick to death of Harley Quinn. And God, am I sick of John Cena. I got sick of John Cena 10 years ago, Carl. And all he's done is continue to annoy me upward. (laughs) So, okay, I get the the being sick of Harley Quinn. We've had this discussion numerous times before on the show. And I'm not asking this as if I have to a bone to pick with your discrepancy with John Cena. I'm just curious as to why. Look, as a, as a person, he, he, he uh, none of us are perfect. Okay. He does a lot of great, great, 
great charity work, and he seems like he's a really nice guy. He's also kind of a sociopathic weirdo, and, like, he's kind of a weirdo. (laughs) But that's not why I'm, like, over John Cena and never want to see him again. He was the face of WWE in a period where we... God, as whether were when options were limited, and that was pretty much it, we had to endure John Cena being forced down our throat forever. The LOL Cena wins is a meme for a reason. Like, and and. It, it got so bad. It became so bad and so obvious to the point where, like, they referenced it in the in the programming that he was overpushed and annoying and and like forced down our throat. Like, it got to the point where they were just trolling the audience with with how <sighs> omnipresent and omni on top John Cena was. And it, it's nothing personal per se against the guy, but I saw him dominate screen time in my life for way too long and I don't want to see that guy go on to become a superstar in Hollywood too just to spite me <laughs> <laughs> yes because it's the same directly as you uh, it, he, know, he knows you and he's just doing it to piss you off I mean it's it's that's just how I feel about it like dude I'm already tired of this of this guy and now he's going to go ahead and he's going to be a bigger star Great. Just wonderful. Hooray. So let me ask you this. Like if I weren't a wrestling fan, maybe I wouldn't care so much, but I am. Yeah. And I'm I'm burned out on John Cena. I get, and I get I get that. So obviously the omnipresence thing is is the thing. How how would you if you have to strip the things that are annoying you about him away, how would you honestly rate him? As an in-ring performer, uh, in WWE's style, he's good. If you were to put him into a, let's say, New Japan ring, he no, no he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's okay. a, he he is a product of. WWE through and through. Um, I I don't deny the man's ambition or drive. He he is a very driven and you know prideful individual. So if he were to like have been thrown into an NJPW ring at a certain point, I don't doubt that he would find a way to elevate himself to appeal to that crowd. But I also never saw when we were just playing. We're just playing what ifs at this point, and I yeah. since that never happened, he is a perfectly cromulent WWE performer. Been a, been a, a minute or two since you broke out the cromulent. It's a it is isn't it such a great word? <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons Golden Age has given us so much, so so much. It's like it's like the Romulans. Deep South cousin. Oh, so good. The Cromulans. Um, it's such, right, it's such, yeah, a, it's such a backhanded compliment word. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Because all it means is perfectly adequate. <laughs> like it's, that's all it means. Right. This right. is a thing that yeah. happens. 
Okay, yep. cool. And I like I like the character choice in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. like you got some ones in there, you know, you got some others that you're looking at. And they're like, did they make that one up for the movie? Or? Oh no. Yeah, they're they're trust us, folks. DC's well is deep, deep. Um, almost a hundred years deep. Yeah, so that's crazy. But yeah, it it looks fun. I'll watch it. It's coming HBO Max. Um, James Gunn, he's he's good at what he does. Now this is done, and now he can come back and give us that sweet, sweet Guardian story. Soon enough, but, man. No, Soon enough. I, I I agree with you. Sylvester Stallone voicing a shark, man. <laughs> You got me. Sorry, you got me. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. But yeah, Harley Quinn. Yay. Yeah. Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that about does it for the news this week. Let's 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 get into it. True. Let's, the let's the heart of the matter. Let's talk about heart of the matter. Um, do we need four? Do we need four and a half hours to talk about it? No, 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 right. we don't. Because I still, I still want to talk about it. And get some quick impressions of the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, no, I want God, to go that. Jeez, man! Oh my lord! Stacked episode here. Giving the people what they came for, too. And how? Um. All right. So last week, I think it was Thursday. Um. The Final, whatever you want to call it, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was released on HBO Max. Sure was. Four hours and two minutes of it. Um, And for you, dear listeners, I've watched this film not once, but twice. Oh, wow. The first time I watched it, just kind of like take it in and... You know, experience it for what it is. The second time, I wanted to follow in the good footsteps of my co-host and take notes. And I have six pages of notes. Uh, uh, wow. How 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 shall we begin, Carl? So, well, let's let's start out. I'm not going to go over every note. I'm going to post them to the Facebook page. Um, and I'm not going to go into over every detail. I'll give you some, some of the highlights. Um, so let's just start out with the, the, the fortune cookie review of this film. Is it better than the theatrical cut? Yes, it is considerably better than the theatrical cut. Is it a good movie? No, it's not a good movie. Okay. So let's, let's start out with the, the things that, um, strike a lot of people immediately first. Um, the whole four three ratio thing. <laughs> so yeah, so uh. it's in ratio. And for those of you who who have only been born in the past, you know, fifteen years or so, that means the black lines are on the sides and not on the top and bottom. Oh my god! So it was. What year is it? I, I, right. Um, I equate this to my age in that 
I noticed it at first, and after like 15 minutes, I didn't notice it anymore. And that's probably only because I grew up essentially with 4-3 ratio. So, is it questionable, and is it a way you normally want to see the movie? No. If you're younger and didn't grow up with 4-3 ratio, might it be distracting? Yes. Um, if you're of a certain age, do you notice it after 15 minutes? Probably not. So it's not like the it's puzzling as to, to why he did it. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, it's four hours long and Drew, I'm telling you, somebody is gonna want to make a name for themselves and they're gonna they're gonna get this thing and they're gonna chop it up and they're gonna make a really, really tight two hour movie. Because there's just like so much fat on here, so much stuff that just doesn't need to be there. It serves no purpose to the story. Now, all credits to Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is incredibly visually talented. I would not. I he, would never say that he was not that. He can make a gorgeous looking film and his visual style works for a lot of things like for example 300 if you read the original graphic novel and you saw the movie his visual style worked very well for that movie and his visual style in this while aesthetically good is so misplaced with the material he's working with and again this is this is nothing new that we're, we're discussing here, but it's one of the things that hasn't changed from his previous DC offerings. Um, it's especially the first two hours. The second two hours flow much better than the first two hours do. The, I'd say like 90% of the fat is in the first two hours because we get a lot of cyborg and flash background but it's not background that contributes to the character. Like, for example, the the Iris West scene for the Flash. I have serves, seen I have seen the scene discussed at length. Serves no purpose to the movie whatsoever. So much to the point that she is not even introduced as Iris West. Her name is never even mentioned. We don't know if she's a reporter or not. She is simply a girl that exchanged a glance with Barry while he's applying for a job at a dog walker's place. And a car accident's about to happen, and Barry goes into action. Um, And just, it... Again, visually, very good. Very well shot. Serves no purpose in the scene. Does nothing to establish the character of Iris West, because the only way you know that's Iris is if you read the internet. And it's... So it's like in Batman versus Superman, where the guy who gets shot in the head was Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, what an Easter egg. You know, funny thing, leading leading up to this, I actually watched Batman versus Superman again. Carl. And I watched the the Ultimate Edition. Oh, because I've never seen it before. Why do you do these things to yourself? I do it for the people, Drew. Oh my god! I do it for the people. <laughs> okay. Um, the Ultimate Edition again. 
better than the theatrical cut. More stuff made sense. It was it was legitimately a better movie. Still not a overall a good movie. Um, but yeah. So uh, then there's like a cyborg football scene to establish that his father doesn't show up to the games, which it's important to establish for this character that his father doesn't have much interest in his life. But the length of which they go to establish that, first off, we get the scene out of like any given Sunday that is in slow motion and drew so much slow motion. It's a Zack Snyder film, Carl. Of course it's slow. It's so much slow motion. I bet you could shave. I'm not being, I'm not being facetious. I bet you could shave off. I'm not going to make an exaggerated number here. I swear. I would be willing to bet you could shave somewhere in the range of five to 15 minutes off the movie just by doing away with some of the slow motion. Yeah, probably. Probably. I think what was Alan sent us that picture? It said 10% of the movie was in slow motion. Well, if if that's the 10% of how many minutes is four? How long is it? Four four hours? Four four hours. Doing some quick quick cocktail math. So four hours. You you feel that 10% too. Four hours and how many minutes? Two. Four hours and two minutes? Yeah. Okay, so that's 242 minutes. 10%? Yep. Is 24 minutes. <laughs> 24 <laughs> minutes of the film are in slow motion. Yep. What did I say? Between 5 and 15? Yep. It's more than that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there is like... I, I would even say there is... You know, going back to the person who's going to chat this up one day, there's probably a much better film inside this film. Um, and just it shows you like how important it is to edit stuff out. Uh, there's for some strange reason the because uh, originally this was going to be a four part series, and they put title cards throughout the film. Like part one, part two, part three, and I'm like, why are these still here? I mean, it kind of it kind of shows that like the decision to release it as a single four hour film was made very late in the game. Yeah, um, wait a minute. I think now that you mention it, you're right. They they did say it was going to be like some kind of a, a multi part series thing, and yeah, and, but it's not. It's just one big blob. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so they so, so not only not, not only did they do that at the last minute, but then that, that four by three thing wasn't talked about at all, at all, until I mean, it dropped, and then it was like, wait a minute, why is this in four by three? Yeah, <laughs> to like, preserve saw, his artistic vi- dude, they gave the man seventy million more dollars to finish this thing, knowing it was going to be watched exclusively in homes on television screens, and he makes it in 4-3. Yep. <laughs> like, what are we doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Anyway, go on. So I'm sorry. You're, it's, the, this is your time. No, no, you're fine. Uh, the, the cyborg flash stuff early on in the film is just unnecessary. It doesn't really serve uh, the characters at all. The cyborg stuff serves the character a little bit. The flash stuff absolutely not. And big, 
big thing, Drew. Drew, can you tell me something about Flash? I can't believe we never caught this the first time we watched the film. Drew, yeah. can you tell me, how, how did Barry Allen get his powers? They don't tell you. No, but no, I'm telling you. Oh, I, oh, I'm oh. asking you. In, in comics, <clears throat> how did Barry Allen get his powers? I'm putting on my nerd hat. This is, if you're listening to this, I mean, it's a prerequisite. Uh, Barry Allen was a police forensic scientist, and one late night, he was working in the lab, and uh, he was doused in chemicals accidentally at the exact moment that lightning struck the building or him or whatever. He was struck by lightning while being doused in chemicals and thus was gifted the powers of the Flash. Okay, good. So, he never works in the crime lab. Yeah, I heard about this. At all. <laughs> he doesn't work in the crime lab. Don't they, like, mention it in the film, like, late? Like, hey, I got a job at a crime lab. And that's at the end of the film. <laughs> okay. That's, like, right at the end of the film. And there's no okay. explanation to how he got his powers. Now, if you're keeping him as a forensic scientist in the crime lab, and you just don't want to show the origin scene, that's fine. But if you're going to completely change his origin, then you're you got to show that. Yeah, I... and that's that's one of the the problems with how Warner Brothers, DC, Zack decided to do this whole thing, especially with introducing these new characters, is that these are not characters where like I can stop random. Uh, person on the street and ask them what Superman or Batman's origin is and they're going to know um, these are characters that are not cyborg more than the Flash but are not widely known to mainstream audiences and you get a bit of cyborg origin in this but you get very little to no Flash origin and the visualization of his powers is, I mean, obviously we've discussed in the past how he looks when he's running, which is terrible. <laughs> because while he's going fast, he's also going in slow motion, but he's flailing his arms around, like, in no formation that looks like it would be any effective way of running. But the visualization in the film is that, like, it's almost like they just make him teleport. There's no, like, like they've got him moving so fast that you don't see the movement at all. And I get that. I get what you're trying to do there, but you're taking away, in, in a movie loaded with cool visuals, you're taking away probably one of the more important and could be cool-looking visuals in the film just by essentially having him teleport. Um, so, yeah, we get more stuff about Aquaman. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in this. Uh, prior to his appearance in the Aquaman film, he, he looks very different than he does in the Aquaman film. My note here is, why does Willem Dafoe look like Glenn Dang- Danzing's grandfather? Oh, God. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look it up, dude. Look up Willem Dafoe, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He literally looks like a heavy metal grandfather. Um, <laughs> and so... Like, you get a little more stuff on Aquaman there. That stuff serves him a little bit better than 
you know, the other character stuff. Mara in this, for some reason, has a British accent. I've heard about the accent. <laughs> she did not have British accent in the theatrical cut of Justice League, nor did she have a British accent in the Aquaman movie. So the accent is very jarring and out of place. Um, Stephen Wolf. While still being a terrible design, looks 100% better visually in this film. Um, the visual of him looks much better. I can discern what is skin and what is armor, even though he looks like a bad 90s image comic wall. Um, trying to see. Uh, dark side. You see dark side in this? There are two key dark side appearances. Uh, the first one is in the beginning, where within the first two hours, where we get a little bit of an information dump on the mother boxes, mm. which in comics lore, from what I understand, mother boxes are just kind of neutral thinking computers. Uh, in this, they are uh, specifically uh, malevolent. Is that is that the right word? Ma- malevolent. Malevolent. Yes, and specifically serve dark side and serve as well. They are his primary weapons. Um, and the key is to bring three of them to a planet, merge them together, and then they terraform the planet to be like Apocalypse. So maybe just keep them together and not ever split them apart. Anyway, so there's a, there's a big fight scene early on to explain the first time Darkseid came to Earth. The Darkseid in this is not super great. He's more barbarian-like, and he's just kind of roaring. He's got a big spear. He's fighting. He gets taken out by an axe. Um, like you see, you see the the gods. He's like Diana's telling tales, like you know, gods and defenders from the stars, because there is a Green Lantern there. Um. The Green Lantern is dispatched relatively quickly by Darkseid. The ring goes off to find another. Um, but, like, Zeus is there and different gods from different cultures. and It's just, like, this huge scene to set up Darkseid's first uh, appearance. And his appearance there is not great. His appearance later in the film, like, towards the end of the film, the final battle, is pretty good. It's pretty... Um, his appearances, how he speaks, um, it's pretty good. You know, I would like, you see a scene that opens up in the apocalypse and there he's got, uh, Desaad next to him. He's got Granny goodness next to him and visually it's really cool. And just like listening to him speak, anti-life is thrown into the plot for some reason. Because that's a thing that dark side does. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, going kind of going back to Alan's question really quick. Um, you know, am I am I disappointed there was not more Green Lantern in the film? Obviously, Green Lantern being like one of my all-time favorite characters. You know, yeah, I would like to see a live-action Green Lantern done well. Um, but there was just so much going on in this movie. There wasn't any room for him, honestly. 
But at the same time, when you think about it, you you establish with this flashback scene that Green Lanterns exist and Green Lanterns are a thing. So since you give no other information about Green Lanterns, I can only assume that they operate in the same way that they do in the comics, which is they are, uh, for lack of a better term, a galactic police force. And each Green Lantern is assigned a sector of space, our sector being 2814, of which they patrol. So you're going to tell me that the number one cosmic threat in the universe is conducting military operations on a planet in your sector, and the Green Lantern doesn't show up at all? Well, it's funny because, like, it doesn't make any sense. At the same time, there's no room for him in the film. Let me say that again, Drew. There's no room for another character in a four-hour film. And he's not even the only one who is sort of from this again. I haven't. I I have not watched this, but I know about it because I've done my my due diligence. He's not even the only one who is suspiciously absent from the proceedings, except no. except someone else that is suspiciously absent from the proceedings does get introduced in this film, and it's for, as I as I have read and have you know, glanced on, on, in all my information, uh, in my research for this, he shows up at the end as kind of like, Hey, sorry about all that. Next time, bruh. He shows up at the end and he shows up at a midway point in the film. Okay. Were I Batman at the end of that? I'd have been like, dude, where are you been? We could have yeah. maybe we kind of could have used you. Yeah. Go on. You you can you can relay what I'm talking about. No, no. So Martian I, I haven't watched it. There you go. Martian Manhunter. Right. Martian Manhunter is in the film. He appears at one point midway through the movie to give Lois Lane a pep talk. Uh, sure. He, disguised, he disguises himself as Martha Kent. Why would he do this? This movie beats you over the head with the fact that Lois Lane is in mourning. Okay. Like, there's about six or seven scenes, again, when two, maybe three would have sufficed. So, this lane beats you over the head with the fact that Lois Lane is in mourning. And at one point, Martha Kent shows up, and she's speaking with Lois, she's like, you know, I heard you haven't been back to work at the Daily Planet, you know, we got, you know, you should go back to work, whatnot. They part. Martha Kent is standing outside her apartment. Her eyes turn red, and then she morphs into Martian Manhunter. And then wearing, does nothing for the rest of the film? <laughs> wearing all black except for the red X. Capes black, but the, the uh, pants into a tank top, black, and then the red X. Um, and then he says, you know, the world needs you to this. And then he morphs back into the general from Man of Steel. And it was just like, okay, maybe maybe go help the, the heroes, buddy. 
And it, it's set, Drew. I'm set, I'm I'm beating this phrase to death, and I probably beat the phrase the phrase to death in my note. It is such a pointless scene. Like, <sighs> it, and, and, it is, it, and to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just it doesn't. It really doesn't. It's like this scene would have literally been better if it was just Martha Kent. I, I have because, heard I have heard that said by others that because apparently the performances by Amy Adams in the scene and everything it, it informs Lois's character greatly. It informs Martha Kent's character greatly, actually. And apparently, again, I haven't seen it. I'm just going by going by what yeah. I've read, and, but I've seen this scene referenced and basically said like if it's it's great, but then they completely pull the rug out from under it, undercutting anything that was great about it. Pretty much, yeah. And listen, performance and casting is is something that we really can't criticize in this film. No, because everybody Flash, is maybe great a performance. Flash is not great, but Flash is not great because of the script. And I'm sure that Ezra Miller had a lot of input on the character and is partially to blame for how Flash is. Because as annoying as you found Flash in theatrical release, oh boy, let me tell you, he is so much more annoying than this one. Oh, super. Um, <laughs> great. But like, but the performances and the cast are all top notch. Like, the, the cast is like Henry Cavill still I, damn near perfect as Superman. I've never had a problem with with Henry Cavill. I've I've been a defender of Ben Affleck as Batman since pretty ben much Ben Affleck brings a for lack of a better term a levity to the character that I found refreshing. Really? Throughout this. Yes, because it wasn't constant grim dark Batman. Well, I, I feel ser- like he, 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 he was, was serious when he needed to be. I think we but, felt that way in in the, the the theatrical cut as well. That like Affleck was, I mean, Affleck as Batman is is fine and it, better better yeah. than better than fine. You know, in in many ways, ideal. Yeah, and like he he brings a levity to the character that's that I felt very refreshing and enjoyed a lot. Like he is he is serious from Dark Batman when he needs to be. Um, but like in times he's not that same Batman, like when he's in the cave with them or when he's just talking to them out of costume. But, but Drew, let me tell you, Batman loves his guns in this movie. Yeah. So I hear he loves his guns. Everything he touches has guns. I fully believe that the battering he threw at Barry Allen to test his powers probably had a gun inside it <laughs> that would eject out and shoot something if need be. And it just, it's like, it's just one of the many things that proves that Zack Snyder, for as gifted a visual filmmaker he is, has a fundamental lack of understanding of the core makeup of these characters. I we have said this from he, the beginning. He doesn't understand what is great about these characters I think, and what they at their best convey to audiences watching a film or readers reading a book. 
I have felt this way about him since Watchmen. Because was it slavishly visually accurate to the comic? Yes. Do I appreciate that as a fan of the comic? Yes. But he completely misunderstood the message of Watchmen. (laughs) Like, completely. So it doesn't shock me in the slightest that he doesn't understand Superman helps people is a good guy like period that like that's superman batman doesn't use guns and batman doesn't you know go out killing people for revenge and murder or whatever that's not batman period and like you look at another example of this because the the guns are most pronounced in the in the final battle um. All right. So yeah, he's using guns, and yeah, you can argue. Well, he's just you know shooting parademons. That's not the point. Perfect example. Look at the Justice League Unlimited animated series. In the episodes where Apocalypse invades Earth, and Batman is fighting parademons with everything in his utility belt: batarangs, bolo ties electric knuckles, all this stuff. At one point, Lex, he says, I'm out, referring to like batterings or stuff in his belt. And Lex Luthor, who's fighting beside him, hands him a gun and says, here, take one of mine. And he says, no, not my style. If you put a gun in Batman's hand, you take away everything that is Batman about him. You take away everything that that character represents. And again, it's just something that Snyder doesn't understand. I'm going to, and, and you, I, I am in a thousand percent agreement with you. I'm just going to be that guy for a moment. The person listening, yeah, yeah. that's going to point to point, point at point at us and go, but you guys love Batman 89 and Batman has guns in the Batmobile and, and, and Hey, Yes, we know. We love Batman eighty nine. We know, but when have we ever talked about Batman eighty nine and not said outright that there are serious points about the character that that film misses? Yes, I, I would we're, say we're upfront probably, about that. <laughs> probably sixty percent of our love for Batman eighty nine is for Anton First's designs. Yeah, and and and, and, just, and the age that we saw them. I mean, let's let's be let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, very influential age. Um, yeah, so and, cons- and I will concede that. Yeah, Batman E nine has its flaws. You know, Batman would not watch a family get mugged in a back alley. <laughs> he would yeah. not watch that. No, he would not um, throw a guy off the top roof of a chapel, going down a bunch of stairs. You know, when which clearly you're like, oh yeah, that guy's dead. You know, he would not drive his Batmobile into a chemical factory just to drop a bunch of bombs when he knows people are in there. That's that's the difference between the good guy and the bad guy, folks. Yeah, yeah. But we do we do love that movie though. <laughs> we do love that movie. I do love that movie. You know, it's it's still like it is still to this day 
the best live action visual representation of the character. Ah, uh, so I guess when um, we come back to Justice League, we have to may, maybe maybe we're being too harsh on the Batman here. No, nah, it's fine. It's, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. No, I mean we're. I think we're being fair because we've said that we like Affleck. We like the performance. It's just like that aspect of it is such a glaring thing. It's especially glaring considering the lengths that that the successful, very successful Batman movies that preceded these went out of their way to show that Batman doesn't kill people or use guns. Yeah. Like, Chris Nolan was fine with it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Chris Nolan built arguably his best Batman film around an antagonist trying to get Batman to break his rule. Right. And he wouldn't do it. Yeah. And those movies seemed to do okay at the box office last I checked. So... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, to so, me, to yeah. me, it speaks of a lack of imagination. To me, I, I feel like the way it boiled down to Zack Snyder was like, well, he's just a regular guy. So, he's got to use guns. Because well, how see, else could and, he fight? Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, that's seriously... That's, listening like Jack, he's not just a regular guy. Yeah. You and me, we're regular guys. You know, Batman is the pinnacle. Yeah. Batman is like the best of what physically and and mentally, probably not emotionally or psychologically, (laughs) um, we can hope to be. Yeah. And when you work to get yourself to that point, you're able to find a different way. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a radical lack of imagination on, on his part, on Zack Snyder's part, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's talk about the other big standout thing from this film let's talk about the black suit for superman yeah (sighs) true not to uh not to beat hangman's horse um but there's no point for it there is no explanation given as to why he's wearing it it's it's a thing people might remember there because zach likes to be dark and edgy and see, here's the thing. And like, I thought about this. Like, there was even, like, he's making such a big thing out of black suit. He's like, oh, it's because it was something from the 90s. The black suit, this is kind of like how I react to people talking about the armored Spider Man suit from the 90s, how it always manages to show up in a video game, even though it was literally, literally in like three panels of a single issue and never showed up again. The black suit. So, all right. In the comics, Superman dies, air finger quotes, fighting Doomsday. His body is taken from his tomb by the Kryptonian uh, robots, guardians from his fortress of solitude, because they know he is not dead. His, his physical makeup has just placed himself into a deep, deep, uh, coma to repair his body. And so they take his body, they put him in this black suit because it helps with that regeneration. 
So the suit in the comic serves a purpose. It helps him to regenerate. When he awakes, when he comes back to life, and he is in the black suit, within moments of him, him coming back to life, he is told that Mongol is about to blow up Metropolis, and he immediately goes, goes off to fight Mongol. So he's not fully powered yet, So and he just doesn't have time to change into the classic suit. So he goes off, fights Mongol, wins the day, and the next issue, you know what, Drew? Gosh darn it. He's in the classic suit. He has a mullet, so, but he's in the classic suit. Oh, the mullet's great. I, love, <laughs> I miss the mullet. <laughs> I miss Mullet Superman. Um, oh, the 90s. So, in this one, after he remembers who he is, which I was hoping we would get an explanation for why Batman didn't remember who, or Superman didn't remember who he was when he was resurrected, and why his memory just suddenly came back, um, we didn't. So, um... So he goes back to his ship that's in Metropolis. And the ship, and there's a wonderful scene of voiceovers from Jorel and Jonathan. And it's really well done. And as he's walking through the ship, the ship is like opening up automatically and bringing out different suits for him more Kryptonian garbs, uh, Kryptonian ceremonial suits, and his classic uh, red, blue, and yellow suit. But then he just stops and puts on this black suit. And again, no explanation for it. And he keeps it on throughout the entire film. So like at the end, when they're doing the end and, you know, he's in Metropolis and he sees trouble and he does the classic, you know, running down the alley, opening the shirt. It's still the black suit. Uh. And it's just like. No. First off, from a storytelling point, there's no purpose for it. You've done nothing to explain it. Um, from just a character standpoint, it's another disservice to the character. There's a reason why it doesn't work when you change that design. Like, the <sighs> classic design is classic for a reason and just works. It's one of the few perfect superhero costume designs that while has seen slight modifications over the years still stays true to the core dude the coolest thing you've shown me and the coolest thing i've seen in in months was that clip of lois and super lois and clark or whatever it's the new show the the tv show the new one yeah where where that guy is wearing the the 30s superman costume it's the coolest thing i've ever seen I want a movie of that. Like yeah. it, 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 it just it rules so hard. But yeah. and we got to have yeah. Black Suit Superman and Justice League. Okay, we got to have Black Suit Superman for um, for no reason. no reasons. Uh, I love Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I thought it was great. Okay, um, just kind of uh, Drew. This movie is rated R, and it earned that rating very hard. Mm. Uh, there's just like Steppenwolf just likes to cut people in half and they show it I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know that I need that in my, in my Justice League movie yeah 
it's it is all for a reason, and that is uh, very very disappointing. Um, so, so I, I um, I'm not trying to cut you off on that on yeah. on this note. The Wonder Woman scene in the beginning. Again, haven't seen the movie. Just going by what yeah. I've been told. Does she not like murder in a bloody fashion several people and then go on to like make an inspirational speech to a little girl? Pretty much. That's not uh, weird. The scene is largely unchanged from the theatrical release. Um, basically, what they did was add blood splats. Okay. Where but, bad guys impacted with the walls. But that but, matters. That 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 yeah. that matters, Carl. Yeah, that does matter. And you know, Wonder Woman is one of those ones that doesn't. Wonder Woman kind of falls into the same vein as Captain America, to whereas they they hold themselves to a higher standard and a higher ideal. But at the end of the day, they're both still soldiers. No, no, that that's. Uh, they, they know that soldiers sometimes in battle have to kill. Yeah. So, but I don't know if but, Cap Cap's yeah. gonna take out an M sixteen and off a bunch of bad guys, then tell the kids and and go home and do your homework and eat your vitamins, and you can be like me one day with a smile on yeah, his face. I, I, it, eh. I I've got a note on it here. Actually, let me see if I can find it. Okay. Yeah. So here's my note. Uh, the quote from the little girl was like, can I be you someday? The message is well-meaning and goes to underscore the importance of Wonder Woman in our real world today. I felt it could have been done better visually, though. The girl just seems unfazed by everything that just happened around her and literally looked like she was just waiting to say the line. Um, so, yeah, it just, it's, it's an important message and it's needed. But the context that you put it around takes away from the, the value of the message. That's my point. Like, the context is, is she just murdered these guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, in a bloody heap. Did she not? That's not the place for, like, yep. an uplifting message for the kids. Ugh. In, yeah. a, in a rated R movie. We need, we need, to, have a, we need to have something in the, in the rated R movie where Wonder Woman talks to kids. Yep. Okay. Got yeah. It. Got it. Yeah. So let, let's let's get to it. Let's <laughs> close out. We're thirty minutes. Let's, let's get to it. Okay. <laughs> with this, we're not done. Um. No, no, because we we have to talk about the the Snyderiest thing that Snyder has ever Snydered. And that is the the airfinger quotes nightmare reality scene that happens at the end of the film, which is clearly Zack Snyder saying, "Hey, all of you that wanted the Snyder cut, you want more? You like this? This is what I can do for you." So we get like this this 15 20 minute scene where it's set in the future apocalypse is taken over the earth everything looks like mad max and not even like a good mad max like mad max beyond thunderdome 
Um, Tina Turner's there? <laughs> oh my god. And like... A, bit, a patrol flies overhead and then like, you know, from a road where there's a couple burnout cars on, like Batman emerges and then Mara emerges and then Cyborg emerges and Deathstroke is there and like, they're all talking about, you know, what they have to do to stop him and you think they're referring to Darkseid um, and then and all of a sudden, Drew, you hear you hear laughter because the Joker's there. Uh-huh. Because Jared Leto's Joker there. And Drew, I'll say, I will say, that having seen Suicide Squad, the original film, the thing that tore me away from the character of the Joker was his visual appearance. Uh, you, you weren't the only one. <laughs> Jared Leto's performance as the Joker is something that was by no means bad. And he was different. He was definitely doing a different take on the character, especially in this scene, but it was not necessarily a bad take. Um, it was very in line with the character in the comics. And he did not have the, the visual from Suicide Squad. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's so bad. Like, and Batman and Joker have a conversation. And then at one point, when Batman says, um, when I kill you, and don't get me wrong, I will effing kill you. I just thought that I'm like, this is the Batman of Snyder's dreams. Gun-toting, profane, spewing, hopeless jackwagon. It's, uh, and then, of course, of course, Superman shows up, and he's the villain. Our obsession with making Superman the villain continues. I've, I've been railing against this for how long, Carl? It's... A, yeah. a, a generation or more of people only know Superman as a villain. I'm not, I, and I'm not exaggerating. Because yeah. that's what they've sold to the masses for for so long. The Injustice generation only knows Superman as a villain. Yeah, and that's pretty much what this felt like. Was uh, It just felt like it was out of the game Injustice. Which, in the context of a game, sure, why not? It's a fighting game. It makes for an interesting story. In this context, it's just like... Ugh... I don't for for you and I comics will always be sacrosanct and 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 the truth, right? But in the pantheon of media to your general audience, the movie is the pinnacle of of media, right? So when you have sold the masses a, a, a villain Superman as the as the default for how long now uh, you have you have told you have told everyone that Superman is a villain and that, that and therefore he is it doesn't matter that the comics that he's the greatest hero in comics it doesn't matter 
the, the company that owns him is telling everyone at large, no, no, he's really bad. You're, you've, that's what you're selling. And, and when you think about it, you've poisoned the, the well con- for how long? Yeah. Like when, when you think about it in the context of the world that we live in right now, what do we need more now than we ever needed before? If not a beacon of hope and above everything else, that is what Superman can be. And shame on you, Zack Snyder, for squandering that opportunity to show us and to make us believe again that a man can fly. Give us a beacon of hope to look to in dark times, to take our minds away from all the crap that's going on in the world today. Nope. Gotta have the black suit. Gotta be, gotta be a villain, bro. Carl, I, you know what I would, do you know what I would give for a movie based around the famous page of All-Star Superman, where Superman saves the girl from committing suicide? Like was that an All Star Superman? Uh, yeah, or? it was an All Star. Okay, they did it. They did a similar scene, and uh, Straczynski did it when he did the book, and it was an amazing scene. But now, tell us about the the All Star Superman one. Oh, dude, it's 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 a very famous panel. I'm googling it just so I can get the quotes right. Uh, <sighs> it's a full page. And a girl is on the edge of a building, and it takes up the entire... Le- her dropping something off the side of the building takes up the entire left side of the panel. It's, it's, it's the full height of the page. And then immediately to the right, it's four panels. One's a close-up on her, on her face, and she's crying. The very next panel is right behind her. She's wide-eyed and shocked because you don't see his face, but you see Superman's body, and his hand is on her shoulder, and you see the big S behind her head. And he says... Your doctor really did get held up. It's never as bad as it seems. Next panel is Superman holding her by the arm saying, you're much stronger than you think you are. Trust me. The final panel is pulled back. You see Superman and he's embracing the girl on the edge of the building. I want a movie about that guy. Yeah. I want a whole movie about that guy. We'll never get it. But I want a movie about that guy. That page um, is so affecting, dude. Yeah. Yeah, All-Star Superman is definitely um, at the top of the list of must-reads for Superman, if you have not read it already. Um, yeah, and then, so yeah, there's the nightmare scene, and then Bruce wakes up from the nightmare. Oh. Oh, and... Is yeah. it, oh, is this? He, he wakes, is, is this? Okay, oh, so he, he we have the nightmare with the Joker, and then he wakes up and sees Martian Manhunter. Is that how it goes? Yes, Martian Manhunter <laughs> okay. introduces himself, and one thing kind of took me back is like Stupid. Batman didn't know who this guy was already. He's yeah, Batman. he's Batman. He's he's Batman. Well, Carl, he was polish, yeah, he, he, might, he was polishing his you, guns. You might you might find that annoying about the character, but he's still Batman. You find that annoying about the character for a reason. Uh, 
Um, so we st- we're still left to wonder if the nightmare is real or not. Oh, I'm sure it, it's, it would be made to be real. Well, based on the, at, le- uh, at least, at least attempted to be made to be real from all the, the crap I've heard coming from, uh, what Zack Snyder wanted to do with Lois's baby. Yeah, I read, and, he, and she falls in love with Bruce, and oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. lord. Oh. So there it is, Drew, the, the Snyder cut. Um, there there are things in this film that are that are done well, and that, that are executed well, and I'm not going to say it's not worth watching at all ever um but i would not necessarily move it to the top of your queue your watch list um it's it's not a good movie it doesn't understand the the characters that it's dealing with it's so over bloated with just pointless stuff this like this film did not need to be four hours by any stretch of imagination. Um, two things I want to point out before we can move on to Falcon and Winter Soldier. One, I think the same day the Snyder Cut dropped on HBO Max, uh, Superman the Animated Series also dropped on Just HBO Max. Just watch that. Just watch that. Just just watch that. Just you know start. Start with Batman the Animated Series. Do that. Do Superman the Animated Series. Um, do I would say this is where Drew and I kind of part ways. I would say do Batman Beyond. Drew would say skip Batman Beyond. That's fine. That, yeah. Um, Take and me. then Justice League, and then Justice League Unlimited. <sighs> we need a filmmaker who who idolizes the animated series. To, to make movies. We just need to give Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini a lot of money. So go, go do what you did on the small screen, on the big screen. That's an easy answer. I, I mean, like the, who, who, I, I, I imagine a visual storyteller like Zack Snyder, except someone who understands <laughs> and, and, oh and, and, has, and has a love for the Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini uh, work. In, in, yeah. a, in a perfect world, we'd have that. But if if someone with Zack Snyder's visual talent had that, uh, they they might be able to make films better than Marvel films. They might. I mean that that's definitely a possibility. Um, also, the other thing. Speaking of which, I want to point out. I can't remember where the article was, so I don't know if it's a hundred percent credible or not, or if they were just joking around. Uh, but Joe and Anthony Russo, I guess, mentioned there's a six-hour cut of that game. Dear God. <laughs> I, I would sit down for it. Uh, that might be See, too much game even for me. <laughs> here, here's the difference between a six-hour game and a four-hour uh, Justice League, is that a six-hour endgame, I mean, don't get me wrong, endgame in itself, damn near perfect. Like, I can't think of anything I would trim off of that or add to. But, like, with, like, the Lord of the Rings extended editions, that's the only way I watched the film. Um, with a six-hour cut of Endgame, 
that seems more palatable to me because I have 10 years of story leading up to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the payoff of 10 years of story. With Justice League, they tried to, I have yeah, they tried have to jump two started. films leading into it. One of which was not well executed at all. I still kind of like Man of Steel. It's not great, but it's not by no means the worst. I, I don't uh, love the messaging of it. I don't. I don't love the. It it doesn't paint Superman in. It, it, well, yeah. Obviously, we come back to the you know not understanding the character thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Warner Bros. just tried to get catch up in one big swing, and you can't catch up to something like that in one big swing. I would have gone to see a cyborg movie. I would have gone to see a Flash movie. If you'd done this thing right and plotted this thing out, like I think if if, if you want to start a DC cinematic universe like Marvel did, you know who you start with. You start with like the ultimate POV character for the audience. You start with Martian Manhunter. I mean, and, at the end of the day, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to like really put this together in a coherent way. You can you can take your big swing and introduce all, and, and I feel and it feels like this is what they kind of did, except they got the characters all wrong, but they put it all in there. You can take your big swing. But it's only going to appeal to people that already know what this stuff is and represents. And that's only going to get you so far. Yeah. Marvel did the work and introduced the mass audiences out there that might have read a comic book, maybe didn't. And they said, here's who these people are. Here's why we like them, and here's why they're cool, and here's what they're all about. They distill these things down to what they're all about so well that they can go ahead and take the title Age of Ultron and change everything about Age of Ultron as we know it. They can take Infinity War as a title and change everything we know about the comic book Infinity War. But it doesn't matter because they got every character's essence down to a T and the big picture stuff framed out so perfectly and they relay it to a new audience and they earn all of that time and Warner's DC just they don't do that they it seems like they're just in the same thing with this release the Snyder verse crap like you're just trying to cater to people that are already you know I'm sorry I, I, I and I and I say this as somebody who believe me I'm very much uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I get a little tight when the mass media or the mass audience comes to the things that I'm into. That's kind of when I tune out. I'm that guy. I liked your favorite band before they were your favorite band, and then and then they're too cool for me. I, I admit, I'm kind of that guy. But look, at the end of the day, good work is good work. And... I don't know. Marvel does the legwork and they produce something great. And Warner's just seems to want to try to pander to people that already know what they're getting into. And that's just not enough. It just doesn't, it doesn't hold up on its own. It relies on too much outside knowledge. And that's, and, and what does that, what does that say? What are you saying? 
if if the if the thing that you're creating in a film is relying on all this outside baggage, then the film can't necessarily relay a message unto itself. So I can't I can't judge it or inter, or interface with it on its own terms. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I I believe that is fair. Oh, and well, the, the Frank Miller Batmobile was in it, too. Really? For reasons. Oh, okay. Didn't I mean, love, it was there. Didn't love that in, it's just in like, Dark Knight. Don't know that I love it here, either. Like, it's just like, I look at it, I'm like, that, that vehicle was used specifically for, for two very specific engagements. I don't think that really works as a standard Batmobile. <laughs> Dark and edgy. Put it in there. Yeah, it, it's it's that surface level understanding. Zack Snyder again, visually amazing, but that's all he understands is visual. He doesn't understand context, subtext, um, you know, meaning. The, the the no. If it looks cool, it is cool, and that's as far as he gets. And in that way. Man, he's like the ultimate 90s director, if you think about it. Because that was comics in the 90s. If it looked cool, that was enough. We're back to that, except now they're giving it, you know, $200 million to play with, based on that alone. And I I feel, uh, I'll close on this, there there is something else that's important to say. As as much as I, I don't like this film, as much as I feel it does not service the characters it's portraying, nor does it service the audience that is viewing it. There is part of me that is happy that it exists. If for any other reason, is that at the end of the film, it says for Autumn, which was his daughter who committed suicide during the production, the original production, which is the chief reason why he stepped away from the film in the first place. I cannot begin to possibly imagine the pain that event could cause someone. Being a father myself, you're a father yourself, I can't, that, that is a pain that I don't even want to try and imagine what it is like. And so... If this is part of his recovery from that, and it is what helps him to make peace with what happened, then I I am okay with that. So, let's move on now. Let's wrap up the show with some quick first impressions of the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, Drew, what did you think of the first episode? Um, just given the length that we've already gone, I'll keep my thoughts real brief. We can go into depth next time we record. We'll have more episodes to talk about. Um, it's great. It's great. Yep. Um, and it's, I think, uh, real quick, it's more, it's probably more of what Marvel fans, um, expected, I suppose, which is maybe why they were so thrown by WandaVision. This is going to be right. more your Marvel wheelhouse here. Um, 
we're getting more punchy punchy less thinky thinky yeah to a degree but there's definitely some thinky thinky here um in in real world ways which i appreciate and and, uh i'm looking forward to seeing the directions that they go and this has more um direct direct i'm quoting uh implications for the mcu as a whole in terms of legacy characters where the big plot might go and and things like that the big mcu overall plot thrust is in play here but i thoroughly enjoyed the first episode it definitely felt like a big blockbustery action sequence out of a film like that whole you know falcon with the with the uh, helicopter chase and all that stuff like man that that could have been big screen worthy right there all right. Yeah, I was, I'm happy uh, to see Batrock back. Yeah, that was awesome. Batrock still leaping. Yeah, um, yeah I really enjoyed it too. Uh, second episode definitely ratcheted it up. I know you haven't watched it yet, um, so we'll let you get there on your own accord. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and like I said, we've gone a little long tonight, so we will talk more in depth um, on one of our upcoming episodes. So, that being said, folks, as always, we thank you for joining us. We appreciate you listening to us. If ever you want to reach out to us and contact us on social media, send us a question to be right out of the show or topic for conversation, you can do so with the following social media locations. You can go to uh, Twitter, follow our page at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod, like our Facebook page. You can email us at thedevilsdupod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources on our website, thedevilsdupodcast.com. That being said, Drew, any closing thoughts? Um, no, we're going to get more into Falcon and Winter Soldier next time, and uh, next time we speak, we will be 50% uh, vaccinated. And, um, you know, we'll... I'll I'll keep you all posted on uh, my expanse progress. So, yeah, there we go. All righty. Well, folks, as always, thank you for joining us. And until next time, be excellent to each other.